Hello, and welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I am Robin, and I am here with Kendall Babb, and we are going to be talking about strength training for dancers. Hi, Kendall. Hi, how are you? I'm great. It's really nice to meet you. You too. Thank you for having me on today. I'm excited to chat about this because it's my favorite topic. (laughs) Nice. So why don't you start by telling our listeners a little bit about um, how you fit into the dance studio world and what your background is, and um, then we'll lead into our topic. Yeah, definitely. So um, I grew up as a studio dancer and I danced in high school on like my high school dance team. Um, When I, by the time I went to college, I knew I wanted to do something related to dance, but I just wasn't sure what Um, kind of led me down a kinesiology path and getting into fitness. And so now I am teaching Pilates principles, uh, personal training, teaching mostly strength and flexibility components to dancers and helping them prevent injury, enhance performance, and just educating them about their bodies and about training principles, essentially how to be safe in the studio. So um, I work with a lot of studios and a lot of individual independent dancers and come in, help them just give them like a fresh set of eyes, maybe explain things in a different way, helping educate their dancers about those safe practices. So uh, I've worked with a lot of younger kids. I've worked with some uh, former dancers. So my range kind of is large. (laughs) I've worked with uh, dancers as young as six, I think, or five. Um, And then, you know, as, as old as, uh, you know, in their, 40s or 50s. So it kind of just depends. And it's it's great to be able to see that broad range of dancers and then help them in different aspects and no matter where they are in their training. Great. So where are you located? What part of the country are you in? I am located in Los Angeles, California. And uh, I am I'm here, but I do a lot of virtual sessions and virtual classes. So I end up working with a lot of students all over the country, actually, and some international as well. Wow, that's fantastic. So when studio owners reach out to you, um, is it because they have, uh, maybe they're seeing specific, um, like a trend in certain injuries in their studio, or is it because they want to prevent issues from coming up, or is it kind of a, a combination of both? It's a kind of a combination of both. I, it's something that comes up with every studio owner I talk to um, is, I, and I, I can't think of a specific example right now, but usually they are given a correction or they, they give their students a correction and it just is not working. And there's some sort of disconnect between whatever they're teaching and whatever their students are doing. Even if you know they're teaching the right things, they're telling them the right things, but it's just not clicking for their students. And then that's usually where I come in and tell them, tell the students, okay, so I'm, I know your teachers are telling you this, but do you actually know how to engage your core? And you know, so kind of like going a little bit deeper, engaging your core is a great example because we're always taught to engage our core or taught to uh, like use our core, but a lot of dancers actually don't know what that means or how to do that, or they just suck in their tummies and they think that that's engaging their core. So that it's those sorts of details that I come in and explain it to them or kind of analyze their dancers' movements and say, oh, well, this one, you know, needs more of 
glute strength or the reason why she's not getting all the way up onto her leg is because of her like I don't know, tight quads or, you know, something like that. It's kind of just analyzing the movement and then helping them connect the the two things together and just giving a, a fresh set of eyes there or a different way to explain a cue to their students that might, might click. Sometimes, sometimes they're, they don't listen to their studio owners as much. And then when they hear it over and over again, then they hear from someone new and it's, I, I might not be saying anything different, but just in, you know, in a, a new way and it, it sort of helps them. So that's, sort of the biggest thing that I see from studio owners. And uh, usually it's really helpful for their students because it's like they have that light bulb moment, which is the best part. Yeah, that's great. I can imagine that as a teacher, if you have um, a whole group of kids that are not understanding, to use your example, um, how to engage your core, you might reflect upon the fact that maybe it's me, like maybe I'm struggling with explaining it to the kids. So is, um, so are the teachers usually in the workshop with you so that they can kind of learn how to communicate more clearly to their students in the future? Yeah, um, a lot of times they'll sit in and watch or take notes or invite their other teachers to come in and watch. And, you know, it's not always... I think that's, I'm glad you brought this up because it's not always something that the studio owner or the teachers are like doing wrong, but it's, it's just kind of a different way to explain things and kind of enhance their teaching or their cueing. And I, I explain things from a very anatomical perspective and that's kind of the foundation of my teaching. So I do have like an anatomy course for teachers to kind of like get that foundation going and be able to explain things differently or just analyze movement differently than what we've been taught. I mean, you know, I, a lot of teachers, I think, teach the way they've always been taught or in, you know, done things the way they always have, they've always done things. And a lot of us will do continuing education, which is amazing. And I always like recommend that, but, um, you know, I always say, do some kind of dance science, kinesiology, anatomy work, something like that, because it's almost like, at least for me, I, I thought I knew, you know, different parts of the body, but then once I went through anatomy and applied it to dancers, it was like, everything just made sense. Everything clicked. I, it, 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 it made so much sense because I was, there were, there were specific reasons why I couldn't like do a tilt for instance, or why I didn't have very good turnout and you know it's anatomical differences that are the reason why not just because I'm a bad dancer and I think a lot of a lot of students think that like oh if I'm not super flexible I'm not a good dancer like no you might just have like limited mobility in the joints and that's why you can't kick your leg all the way up to your face and so there's reasons why and with that sort of training um, or having someone else like assess a dancer too I think it's helpful for the teachers to see that because then they're not just telling their student to keep stretching, even though stretching isn't working, you know, there's other ways to, to increase the range of motion. So it's, it's beneficial for the teachers and the students, in my opinion. And I always, you know, encourage teachers to come in and watch the class or like ask me questions afterwards. And um, I find that really helpful for, for them too. So the services that you provide, is it mostly like a, a one-off workshop or do you provide like a series of, you know, okay, we're going to follow up in a week or how, how does, how does your menu of services work? 
So I'm, it's normally just one-off classes, but I also provide resources and uh, handouts for the students that are like warm-up exercises that they can do. Uh, I have a another workout plan that is for turns and then another one for jumps. And I give those to the students to be able to use in class. And then usually I'll follow up and ask, you know, how it's going and if you see any improvement. And really that first, that first mass, that one-off masterclass, I think that it's really good for an, an introduction to all of these principles and just even for students to understand what a proper warm-up is, not just going straight into stretches when you walk in the door. And for the teachers and the students, you know, it's like that that light bulb moment and uh, that I mentioned. And I think that it's it's up to the students to continue that consistency because one class is not going to fix it. You know, one class is not going to make you do 10 turns, you know, but um, that's why I like giving the resources because it helps them have something tangible to be able to work on after the class. So um, I, I usually will do that. If if studios want to do a series, you know, I'm more than happy to customize that and make it about whatever their students need. So I always, before scheduling things, I mean, I have a, a typical format of the things that I teach in, in a class, but I always like to hear what the students are struggling with or maybe there's a competition you guys are preparing for and then kind of customize my class based on those needs as well. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had a situation where you're, um, you're noticing um, uh, a recurring problem or a theme amongst the students and the teachers not aware of it? And um, you can bring that to their attention. For example, um, one year we had an epidemic of knee pain. Like everybody was just complaining about knee pain. And I was, you know, wondering if it was my dance floor and I didn't know what was going on. And then it came to light that one of our ballet teachers was really, you know, pushing turnout, um, even for the kids that didn't have the natural rotation from the hips. So there was, you know, that was an issue that we needed to address within our team. Um, but, ha but, you know, we didn't, notice it until it was like, right, this is like the seventh dancer who's complaining of like knee pain. So have you ever like been able yeah. to cover some stuff like that? Uh, you know, I talked about this with the last studio I was at, and I would say sometimes there's not always enough time to to talk about that if I'm there for just one day but um if I if I do travel out of state I'll usually be there for a couple of days and I'll see I'll do one-on-one -on -one sessions with dancers and a class and so that's when I really get to see the similarities between all of the dancers so I I can't think of anything specific off the top of my head but I know that there that does very much exist in studios when they're training a certain way. And then I, that's why I always think to having all of, I mean, I've had some studios that bring in all the teachers to watch the class. And then I've had some where just the studio owner watches the class. And I think it's important to, to share that information with this, with the teachers that you do have and have the open communication because stuff like that really does happen. And then that's where there's injuries that are involved or, you know, it maybe one teacher is having their students do all of these crazy stretches or like pushing students down into their stretches and then they get injured before competition. Well, 
of course they're going to get injured before competition then because you know you're you're going to more classes more rehearsals so you know i i think it's important to have that communication but also the student i think needs to be an advocate for themselves as well and have the open dialogue as a student between the student and the teacher which sometimes doesn't always happen i think you know as dancers we're taught to stay quiet do as you're told the teacher is always right and i i i totally don't teach that way anymore um i've had teachers like that with me and you know now that i'm a teacher doing this i'm always asking the students okay what do you feel here what muscles feel like they're stretching what muscles feel like they're squeezing and contracting and then understanding if they if they tell me something that i'm not looking for you know okay well why do you feel that so i'm i'm constantly asking questions and constantly trying to understand what they're feeling and thinking because it just gives me a better insight into how those dancers are taking this information and applying it to their own bodies. So yeah, um, that was a very long answer to your question, but. (laughs) So when a studio owner reaches out to have you, to hire you, do they, are they normally um, paying for your services from the studio or are they charging the students directly for your workshop? How How do studio owners usually fit that into their budget? or you don't know? That's a, that's a great question. I actually, I actually do know sometimes. So um, I've had some, I've had a mix of both. I've had some studios pay for it, like directly out of their budget um, from the studio. And then they just bring in their like competition kids or their, their team to come take the class. I've had some studios where they charge each student like a for, I usually do a two hour class. So I've had some studios charge their students individually and then anyone can come or, you know, they, they make their competition team pay extra, I guess. But, um, and then I've had some studios, uh, I had one studio that did a fundraiser for it, which I thought was super cool. Um, That was in the midst of COVID. I know they were financially struggling with like getting everything back together. They think they had just gotten back into the studio. So I think that was like March of 2021 that I went there and, um, and they, they had told me that they did a fundraiser with all of their competition teams and we did like three classes. So I thought that was really cool as well. Um, and there's, yeah, there's different options that, uh, that they can do. And, um, I think I, whatever works best for the studio, I mean, I'm, I'm, I say, go for it, you know, what, whatever you need for your, for your business is, is up, up to you. But I, you know, I thought that the the fundraising was a great idea as well, or just kind of, if we know in advance that we're going to have a class, or if I am going to do a series, they'll include it into their like competition fees or something. Got it. So you also, so you travel, but you also offer um, virtual um, options as well. I find that, uh, you know, in-person is always really nice because I can, kind of walk throughout the room and help students, but with virtual, you know, they're still getting a lot out of it. I've, I've found too, a lot of, uh, they're able to still keep up and, and feel the difference in their bodies after doing some exercises. Yeah. So do you ever run into a situation where you've got dancers who are also doing other sports or gymnastics or swimming or something? And the, you can tell that, the two activities, dance and whatever the other thing is. I know for, I'll use gymnastics as an example, because 
um, we offer a tumbling program and at a certain point, our students need to choose. And I went through that as a student way back in mm-hmm. you know, another decade. But um, because gymnastics is like completely different for your body than dance. Do you ever do you ever like look at a dancer and you're like, you're also a gymnast and you need to choose? Or like what exactly is gymnastics doing to a body that a dancer would not want? Um, you know, I I, I think this is a, such a great question. No one has ever asked me this before. And I think it depends on their age because a lot of times with dance, we're, we focus on dance, we dive deep into the dance world and, and everything that we do movement-wise is accustomed to like dance skills. And even though that's what my whole business is based off of, I think that it's important for students to do other sports and be able to move in different ways because something like swimming or basketball is like completely different from dance and you're developing different muscle groups. You're using your body in a different way. There there are specific ways that we use our body in dance that cause a lot of muscular imbalances in the body, which can lead to injury later on if it's not addressed. So from gymnastics, for instance, or even like acro, now that that's kind of being blended with dance a little bit, I think that with that, maybe not as much with gymnastics, but definitely with acro, I see a lot of lower back pain and lower back tightness that are causing dancers, or I guess the, the effect of that pain and that constant like lower back extension is causing dancers to have trouble with engaging their core because they're opposite muscle groups. So they don't know how to engage their core or how to, how to find proper alignment because they're constantly in an arched position with their back. And that's just a nature of habit and, you know, or the nature of the, um, of the sport and of those movements. So that's kind of an example of if, if you're only doing that sport, you know, make sure that you're counteracting those movements with something else or you're cross training. So you're able to prevent injuries that way, because, you know, it's like, if you go into rehearsal and you have rehearsal even one time a week or, you know, three times a week, you're doing the same choreography over and over again. And so maybe in that dance, you have like a Batma on the right, but you never do a Batma on the left at all in that dance. So when are you going to practice it? And, you know, now your right hip is going to be, or your right hamstring, it might be super flexible, but the left is not. So that's, that's when an injury can occur in, you know, either side, really, if you're only training something on one side. So I've seen some studios do that, you know, some crazy competitive competition uh, based studios um, that they're, that's all that they do is like work on their competition dances and train their students to do everything on the right side, because that's, what's going to be done in the routine. And you're just setting your dancers up for failure. In my opinion, I mean, that's a very blunt way of saying your dancers are going to get injured and then they're going to leave the studio. So I always, you know, in technique class, always do both sides, even if the, even if the left side or or the right side, depending on, you know, your preference. But even if your, your other side is not as good and it doesn't feel good going across the floor, do it anyway, because you're training those, um, you're, you're training those muscles in a different way. You're training your brain to to work in a different way. So Yeah. yeah, I see, I see that a lot. And I think 
I think a, a mix of it when you eventually have to choose a sport if you if you want to. I mean, you don't have to choose one sport. I did when I was younger, but I think it's very doable to do more than one thing. But when you're when you're at that point, kind of decide how does your body feel and you know, is is dance tearing my body down and if it is, what can you do differently? to prevent that because, you know, you shouldn't be in pain all the time as a dancer. That's not normal, you know? So that's kind of my, my take on it. And let me just say as a teacher, um, I never danced professionally, but I, so I, you know, trained as a young person and then went right into teaching. And when I was, Mm -hmm. and I was a ballet teacher. So when I would demonstrate for my students, I would always do my good side. And in, in the moment, I remember thinking to myself, because I would say, put your left hand on the bar. And I'd always put my right hand on the bar because my left leg. Yeah. So I would um, every day in my mind, I'd say, you need to do the other side, Robin. And I'd say, I'll do it tomorrow because I wanted to (laughs) demonstrate my better side for the dancers, but also it was uncomfortable to the weaker side. So I did that for years and now I'm 52 years old. And when I go to the gym, because I don't dance um, anymore, but I yeah. do go to the gym regularly and the, the strength in my right leg is so significantly higher than yeah. the strength in my left leg. And the flexibility is the opposite. And even all these years later, it's like, wow, I, I, I just can't even believe how... Yeah. Yeah. And I work on it, you know, now that I'm, I'm, I'm involved in, you know, just being fit just for daily functional, Mm -hmm. you know, reasons. And, you know, with age, I don't want to be creaky and I I don't want to be in pain or anything. So, (laughs) but I, I also had, um, an experience recently with a Pilates teacher who I loved. I loved this Pilates experience that I had that I had to stop because she moved away, but, um, she, I always wanted to be in the turned out position and, you know, as dancers, yeah. we mentally think that that's a more flattering position. And, um, even when I stand like, in mm-hmm. house, I'm always, I'm like kind of in a fourth position or whatever, which is kind of strange, but, um, she was trying to get me to work <laughs> in a parallel position. And I, I guess the, the muscles on the outside of my legs are, are not strong. Again, even after all these, yep. just from work, from always being in a turned out position, um, and my trainer at the gym is like, "Stop turning out, do it parallel." And I'm like, "But it looks better turned out." <laughs> and my trainer's like, "No, it doesn't." Look yeah, when you're doing squats in a second position grand plié, I'm like, what? "Yes." <laughs> so yeah. yes, no, that's such a good point. Yeah. So even if you're teaching, if you're listening to this podcast and you're teaching, like consider what you're doing, make sure that you're demonstrating on both sides. Right. And that you're not, because sometimes as teachers also, um, we mark and I'm thinking that sometimes marking could be causing damage or not damage, but the repetition of doing something not completely full out or proper could cause some, I don't know, repetition. I don't know. Talk about that. Yeah. It can still cause, yeah, it can, it can still cause an imbalance, even if you're marking something. I mean, if you're doing anything on one side repetitively, it's still working your muscles. Like just because your leg 
isn't at 90 degrees, you know, versus 45, like you're still using the same muscles to, to do that movement. So yeah, that's a really great point. And I, I like your example of turned out versus parallel, because I find that it's really hard. The dancers I work with one-on-one, it's really hard for them to stay in parallel. They might start in parallel and then it just slowly creeps out into a bit of a turned out position. And that's exactly what it is, is the muscles on the outside of the hips, like the ones that are responsible for internal rotation are a lot weaker because we're constantly in turnout. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm glad that you've found that for yourself now that you're not teaching and uh, just working on fitness in general, because like that, that's really important as a teacher. I think it's even more important as a dancer. And that that's, that's why I was talking about doing other sports and training different movement patterns, because it's actually going to make you better at dance. And it's going to make you a healthier individual because you are a human first, and then you are a dancer second. And I, I always, I have a friend that says that that phrase. And so it always sticks with me. And that's how I try to like teach my students too, because they are, they're constantly so focused on dance that they forget, oh yeah, you know, how do I just move in in daily life when I'm not dancing or their identity is so attached to dance that it, it, the pushing their body through all of any pain perhaps, or just the repetitive movement patterns, you know, that's, that's might be doing more damage and than than it is good. So yeah, I think that's really important too. And, um, you know, just starting to train now, cause for myself, I, I take class, I try to take class like once a week. Now that's a new a goal of mine this year is to just get in class a little bit more in dance. Cause I took a couple years off. So, um, now I've been, I've been training, I've been doing like weight training and, um, uh, been in the gym a lot in the last few years, but I feel like I can still keep up in class. I, my leg is still just as high. I can still jump as high, if not higher, you know, you're not going to lose all of that, all of those skills. It might feel a little awkward at first because you haven't been moving in that way, but it's, you're not going to lose all of those skills if you're doing cross training to help you maintain that strength and the, that power. So think that's also a bit of a fear, um, in teachers is like, I, I couldn't do a leap because, you know, I haven't, I haven't done it in years, but if you've been training, like you probably can't still do a leap, you know? So I find that's, that's very common with teachers as well. And I, I, myself, I still kind of get into that headspace sometimes, but cause it, it's hard, you know, it feels like it has to be perfect if you're going to demonstrate for your kids. But in reality, uh, you know, if you're, if you're taking care of your body, if you're, training, it's, it's going to be fine, you know? (laughs) So, you know, I was, when I was in training as a ballet dancer, it was uh, during high school and I was, um, it was in the eighties and it was such a different time then for, for dance, for it was a different time just across the board, of course, but in the dance world, I just, Mm -hmm. I remember um, a lot of my teachers did not have college education. They were professionals who are now teaching, like retired professionals who are now teaching. And um, so they didn't have anatomy and kinesiology and and all of these um, classes that, you know, students have, you know, that you have, they didn't bring to the studio the knowledge that you have about the body, other than what Mm -hmm. they learned from their dance instructor, who may have been a Russian, you know, teacher, 
who was, it was just a very different time. And we weren't yeah. encouraged to cross train. It was, I, and I remember my teachers telling me, you, you can't do gymnastics anymore because it was the opposite of the advice that you just gave. Um, it was, um, you got to choose because if you're going to be a ballet, a ballet dancer, yeah. you only need to be training in this particular way. Um, and nowadays, you know, teachers are really, like you said earlier, trying to um, look at their students as humans and, you know, well-rounded and this and that. Do you ever look at dancers from decades past and see, for better or for worse, a difference in the performance, in the athleticism of dancers based on the training that we were getting back then and the training that you know, we're hopefully getting now. Um, is there an improvement in the um, physique and the athleticism of dancers now? I mean, honestly, and back in the 70s and 80s, dancers would smoke and drink diet soda like before, like that was your diet. And now I, I, I again, yeah. I, I don't live in the professional dance world, but I'm I would assume that most dancers have a better understanding of nutrition these days and supplements and, you know, training outside of the studio. That's just as important as what you do in the studio. So do you ever look side by side like, oh, this is a, a dancer from the 80s and this is a dancer from now. And where are we with that? Um, you know, I... I can't speak for the professional world at the moment. I, I know from, you know, hearing friends that are doing it and uh, just people that I've known, I know who have just gotten out of the professional world, maybe um, there's definitely like a lot more resources for nutrition and for cross training or a physical therapist. I know several physical therapists that are, that either like travel with a company or they're like a, like a resident physical therapist for, for a company or, um, performances or they work at a theater. So, um, I think that's a huge step just in itself, having access to those resources. But I think, you know, looking, if, if we were to look side by side dancers back then, and, and it wasn't even that long ago either, which is, which is crazy because, you know, how far we've come now, just in that short amount of time. And we still have so much further to go, in my opinion, just getting dancers to be more health, be healthier. And also like, create a different mindset surrounding cross training and body image and nutrition, you know, things like that. And I think it all kind of goes hand in hand because we're, our bodies are our instruments and we've always been taught to take care of our bodies, but we don't really know, or we, I should say, we've been told to take care of our bodies, but we don't exactly know how, um, or we've had teachers, directors tell us, that you need to lose weight or that you need to go on a diet. And some of that is still in the professional world or so, so I've heard in, in certain places, but I think that at least in the U S there has been a different, there's been a shift in body image a shift in um, maybe not body image isn't the right word, but just like different types of bodies that are on stage and also safer practices in you know, encouraging their dancers to cross train or to eat before a performance or things, things like that. I, again, I can't, I mean, I'm not sure on specifics. I know that it's definitely improved, but I think now we see, depending on the teacher, 
if they've come from a background like that, I think that they somewhat can instill those practices in their students today. And so it, it, sometimes if, if you are a teacher that is aware of that and maybe some of the things that you've said in class to your students, I would encourage you to you know, follow some, some of those people on Instagram to share resources with your students. There's a lot of um, dietitians and uh, like mental health advocates, psychologists, physical therapists um, on social media now that are sharing these tips and sharing these practices. Uh, some of them have their own businesses. Some of them just, you know, want to share for the dance community. So and I think that that's really important, just knowing the resources to having access to them. Yeah. And not only the training that we have access to now as um, the the point shoes are different. The ballet slippers are different. The I mean, nowadays, like the shock absorbing socks or um, dance yeah. <laughs> are different. Um, the, the all of the technology that we have access, not technology, but like um the equipment that we have access to as dancers now um, is so far, so much more um, body friendly. Advanced, yeah. That yeah. I yeah. Just, it's almost a, a wonder that dancers weren't completely broken back then or were they and they were pushing, because literally I remember being told that you need to push through your injuries. And, you know, you yep. dance through the pain. And nowadays I'm hearing more, you know, nope, you're not going to dance through that injury. You need to rest. You need to have your, your physical therapy, this and that. And back then, I don't recall teachers recommending that I go to a doctor, at, you know, or it was just not a thing. It was like muscle through it, muscle through it. I wonder yeah. if the longevity yep. dancers now is... Um, is, is, uh, is longer. So. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's the goal. Yeah. That's the goal is to increase the longevity of their careers. If, if they are a professional dancer, like, and it's their career, then increase that longevity. But also if you're a young dancer and maybe you stop dancing after high school, I mean, that's still like a career in a sense, like dancing for a long time without, without gaining injuries, without like breaking your body down. I think I think there's still a little bit of the uh, message about like pushing through injuries or pushing through pain. Cause I see that a lot with dancers. Now I'll before every, with my one-on-one clients before every session, I always ask them, how did your body feel today? Like, what have you done this week? And sometimes I hear they'll, they'll say, Oh, like I feel fine today. Or, you know, so, sometimes I get detailed answers. Sometimes I just hear, Oh, it's good. You know, but then I'll, so then I always follow up. Are you sore? Are you tired? Are you, are you full of energy? And they're like, well, I'm like a little sore, but it's, it's okay. You know, or they say, well, my ankle was hurting me a couple of days ago, but it's fine now. And that pain shouldn't go unnoticed. I mean, that's what I'm here for is you tell me those things because even if the pain is not there anymore, if it, if you don't feel pain, that doesn't mean you're completely healed. There's a reason why you had that pain. So I'm always like trying to investigate that a little bit more. And then if I think it's something that, I mean, I, I can't treat injuries, but usually, you know, I, I can tell if it's something that needs to be seen by a doctor, mm -hmm. um, more specifically a physical therapist, but 
I think that uh, too, if, if you are being told, like if a teacher tells them, you know, to go see a doctor for it, sometimes dancers or dance parents don't know what kind of doctor to go to. Like they'll, they'll go see like a pediatrician and maybe that's not the best person to see about that injury. Like they should be referring out to a physical therapist or to an orthopedic, like some, someone who can help with that specific thing. So I, I tell my dancers too, like, if you have to go to like your primary doctor and get a referral, like make sure you're, you go see this person or ask for that. And they're not just going to a pediatrician and saying like, Oh, just stop dancing for a week because that's right. not really, <laughs> but you can't do that as a oh, dancer sometimes, when... especially if you're a professional. Mm-hmm. Oh, it hurts when you bend your knees. Just don't bend your knees. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I can't, you know, I'm not trying to say anything like negatively about that, but it's just the experiences that I've heard from, right. uh, from my students. And, you know, I've, I've had a couple experiences like that. So, you know, if, if, if one doctor doesn't know, go to another and don't just, don't just ignore it. So I, I have students that'll come back and say like, yeah, my doctor said just to, just to rest and ice it. I'm like, okay, well that, that doesn't, that tells me, I could have told you that, like, that doesn't tell me anything, you know, like that right. doesn't tell me how to help you. So, um, so yeah, I think that there is a lot more, uh, it's more acceptable, which feels weird to say, because I feel like it should be acceptable to go see a doctor. But I feel like now in the dance world, it's more common and there's no like stigma or there's less stigma of, you know, pushing through the pain or not needing to see a doctor or just like not telling anyone about your injury at all. Even though we still see that a little bit, I think it's gotten better. So hopefully it can get even better from here. Well, if I had an unlimited budget, I would love to have someone like you, like full time on my team so that every time a dancer <laughs> says, you know, oh, I'm feeling some discomfort here, I could kind of refer them to someone. But um, for those studio owners that can't do that, they can always just reach out to you on a per, um, yeah. on a per case basis, correct? How would they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. How would someone find you if they wanted to um, learn more about what your service menu is and and if they wanted to um, enlist you to give a workshop or, you know, give them some advice? Yeah, uh, so I always, the best way to find me is through Instagram. Um, My Instagram handle is at trainwithkendall. And um, from there, I mean, you can see my website and some of the like forms that I have. And um, I have like a couple of free resources too um, that you can use in class and uh, for younger dancers. But then um, my website is bodyconnect.org, but you can find that through my Instagram. Instagram is probably just the easiest way. But if you, you know, had a question or just, you know, I can't give medical advice. I can't give, you know, advice, especially over Instagram, but I'm always happy to you know, refer out and I'm connected in the dance science community to where like, I can, I can find someone who can help you, you know? Um, and if I can't, then I'll try my best to, to find someone close enough or to, to give you advice on, on where to go. But yeah, I'm always happy to do that. Well, that's great. I hope that some studio owners will reach out to you and implement some of this into their programs. I know it's uh, so important that, like you said earlier, if your dancers are injured 
they're eventually going to have to stop dancing. And that's not good for business. And it's certainly not good for the dancer. When my son was yeah. in high school, he played football and um, he had this chronic back pain from playing football. And as a parent, I just thought, I want my kid, I, I would hate for my kid to be 30 years old and have back pain and have, to, and I would hate to hear it's from high school football, just for that four years of that glory of being right. a high school football player, you're going to like have to live the rest of your life with this back pain. And thankfully he's in his twenties now and it, he's not experiencing anything, but it's the same thing with dancers. We don't want our children to incur any type of injury that's going to sustain them through their, that's going to linger on through their adulthood and cause them to, you know, not be able to get down the floor with their grandbabies or not be able to go skiing with, yeah. or even just load the dishwasher without tweaking your, you know, we just want to produce healthy. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah, exactly. It's the whole life, <laughs> not yeah. just, not just while you're dancing, like the, your whole life is important. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking to us about all this. Um, I don't always feel like I have a lot to contribute to like the whole anatomy, kinesiology and like, um, physicality part of dance, because I'm working more on the business owner side right now, but you know, it is something that we should all try to educate ourselves about so that we can do what's in the best interest of our students. So before we go, do yes, you yeah. end on a heart happy moment? Do you have something that you would like to share that's made your heart happy in the last week or so? Yeah, actually, um, well, this isn't, this isn't the last week, but is that okay? Can I, is yeah. it, it was like a couple months ago, but it's still, I mean, it still makes my heart happy. So, um, <laughs> Um, I was teaching a masterclass a couple months ago and, um, I, we were talking about pirouettes and we did like a bunch of strength exercises leading up to that. And then I had them do some turns practice and mind you, I had never seen these dancers before. I didn't know how many turns they could do. And one of them whips out like perfect, like four perfect turns. And I found out at the end of class that that was her first time doing four turns and she was so happy and I could see how excited she was on her face, but I didn't know that was the first time that she had done it. I just thought like, yeah, that looked really clean. That was good. So it, it made me feel really happy because, you know, the studio owner told me afterwards that, you know, that was her first time doing it. She was so excited and that seeing the light bulb moment and seeing how happy she was just made me feel so happy. Like, yes, that all of this stuff works, like all the things we're doing has a purpose and like, look what just happened, you know? So I love seeing those moments and I still reflect on that and think about that. And something that makes me feel, makes me feel good. Not, not just about myself, but good about, you know, that they're feeling the benefit and that they're reaching their goals, you know? Right. And the goal isn't necessarily to do four pirouettes, but by doing four pirouettes, she felt yes, exactly. And she's probably motivated. Right. To you know, take it to the next, you know, to work on, you know, another right. part of her technique. That's great. That's a great teaching moment. Yeah. So my heart happy. <laughs> Thank moment. you. Um, we had our open Marley night, uh, event last weekend where our students got to perform, um, contemporary and modern work in progress for an audience. It was kind of like a banquet scenario where parents were sit, you know, were there and, and we did back and forth and feedback and stuff. But the point is that I have this, um, I have this 
over the last two years, we've had a lot of um, mental issues with our teens, like just sadness or mental health issues that they've been fighting with, but also physical stuff. And perhaps they're related. I don't know. But it's just interesting that over the last two years, everybody seems to have like a mental sadness and a physical ailment. Um, but we've been working through it and, you know, we've mm -hmm. been trying to do all the right things. And one of my dancers, Regan, was just, it. in her words, she said, Ms. Robin, I'm so glad now that you're back from Florida, you get to see me and I'm not broken anymore. And that I, I was like, oh my goodness, what am I going to see in this performance? And she was dancing without pain. She was dancing with abandon. She was, but express, but kind of, you could see in her emotional performance, kind of a release of all of that, that she had gone through. And um, I was grateful that our students have dance as an outlet to kind of work through their issues. And I'm also grateful that they have each other to lean on and just dance friends are the best, right? Like we <laughs> a tight group, right? So anyway, it was a very heart happy moment for me to just see her in her words, not broken anymore and just living her best life and leaving yeah. on that dance floor. And the photographer like caught so many great pictures of her. So she's got that to look back on and um, hopefully yeah. that'll power her on to the, to keep, to keep growing and healing. So that's great. I love that. That's so important. Yeah. Well, Kendall, it was so nice to meet you and thank you so much for coming on the podcast um, if anybody wants to reach out to Kendall, you can find her on Instagram, um, at train with Kendall and her, uh, website is bodyconnect.org. And if you're interested in having her do any work with your students, either in person or virtually, um, she would love to connect with you and, um, you know, plan out some way that she can, um, make a, a positive impact on your students. All right. Thanks. Yes, so absolutely. Much. Thank you so much. Have a great day. <laughs> Thank you. You as well.